0: Okay, uh, hello, welcome to Beastly Theories. I'm your host, Andy McGrath. Now, today we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Mark Muncy. Uh, Mark has written horror, fantasy and science fiction for, for three decades. He's the creator of Hellview Cemetery, uh, which is a haunted attraction in St. Petersburg. He began to study the legends there and, and lore and paranormal history in Florida quite extensively. And when the city of St. Petersburg banned Healthy Symmetry for being too scary, he devoted himself to preserving the law behind the legendary haunted house in book form. Uh, his books, uh, Thirlwind Tales of Healthy Symmetry, Tales of Terror of Temple Bay, uh, were then born out of that um, banning, and they were written about recently revised uh, aspects and, and tales of that particular region, and his co-author, Elizabeth Abbott, Inspired by the numerous folk tales, legends, and lore of his home, State of Florida, Mark set out with his fiance illustrator, Carrie Schultz, to explore the abyss of the Sunshine State. And this led to his best-selling books, Eerie Florida and Freaky Florida, which we intend to talk about here today. Mark, welcome to the show. It's, it's great to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's an honour to be here.
0: Well, um, as you know, uh, I personally uh, am talking to all of the Cryptozoological and and paranormal authors that I can at the moment, and it's simply it's it's an exercise in nepotism. That's the way I've described (laughs) it. I'm just talking to the people whose brains I want to pick about the information that they've dug out about these um and these various creatures and cryptids that might be crawling about in their state. I just want to stop by asking you. And I mentioned to you earlier, I've I've been to Florida once, and. One of the things you learn about Florida very quickly is there's beware of the, you know, the no swimming, beware of the alligator signs everywhere. Oh, yes. Um, but there's no fences. <laughs> oh. <No. laughs> I was in a hotel there, and uh, I think it's the holiday in Orlando, and there was a beautiful pool out back and these deck chairs next to what they call a pond. It looks like a lake, basically, and hammocks right at the water's edge, and all of these signs seem to beware of the alligators. I was at the hotel? Um, on it. What do I do if an alligator comes in? She said, "Run or climb a tree." I said, "How about a fence?" You know, <laughs> and she seemed to think it was a, it was an insane idea. Why would you need a fence? It's just part of what Florida is all about. So you tell me, in that state of you know, pythons and poisonous snakes and um, alligators and crazy creatures that are wandering around in the swamps and things like that. What unknown animals are there to add to that? What What do you have there? What are the primary cryptids creeping around?
1: Well, see, that's the the beauty of Florida. Is besides, you know, we've got our own. You know, there's there's uh, what was that old uh, that movie, A Million Ways to Die in the West? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there, that's that's Florida in a nutshell. I mean, wow. you've got the uh, the mosquitoes, and you've got the alligators, and you've got. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, so yes, where were we? So- Sorry. We were
0: talking about okay, so we talked about essentially you've got tons of well-known dangerous animals that are scary enough all by themselves roaming about Florida, yeah. uh, like alligators and crocodiles oh, yeah. and pythons and poisonous snakes. What unknown animals of the you know cryptozoological variety do you have wandering around there in the state?
1: All right, well, they, uh, we have. The usual gang of suspects uh, from all over. We have lake monsters, oh, okay. uh, similar to Nessie. Uh, there are they are colorfully named. Florida likes to name things.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I mean, really, really creatively name things. Oh, uh, yeah. There's there's a um, there's a, a creature, uh, a sea creature in Lake Aster, which is in North Florida and actually goes uh-huh. into Georgia a little bit, and Florida calls it the Lake Aster Monster. So, you know, real creative. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, there's another <laughs> you know. lake that has a wonderful name, as you know, of our lovely Florida climate. Uh, there's yes. a lake called Lake Helen Blazes. Wow. And there is a beast there that it kind of ties into the same system as Lake wow. Astor. Okay. Uh, classic Nessie-style monster when seen. Uh, and that one is called the Beast from Lake Helen Blazes. Um, wow. Yeah, we're real creative down here. We have a town on a gulf that's a port, so they call it Gulfport. Yeah, we're yeah, we're we're creative types here in Florida. I mean,
0: you're talking to to the British. We're not exactly exciting ourselves. Now, I grew up in Wales actually, and of course they have a different language there, so everything has two names, the English name and the Welsh name. And yeah. of course, the letters in Welsh are pronounced differently, so it's always good fun watching the tourists come in and try to, to say the names. Oh yeah. Somebody needs to, to buy us a valve, let's put it that way. Um, and so th- I mean that's very interesting. Lake monsters to me, uh, and, and especially with a you know connecting river or waterway between the two of them, the of the Nessie variety, I think that's that's quite exciting. Now, do they do those lakes have any connection to the sea or are they are they landlocked, so to speak? No,
1: they are they do connect to uh the Atlantic. Uh-huh. And a little bit, uh, so one of them kind of trickles down into what becomes the St. John's River, which is
0: huge. Ah, St. John's River monster.
1: Okay. Yes, and the St. John's River monster. Now, there's two in that. Uh, one just called the St. John's River monster, and it's supposedly so big that it walks on the ground of the river, and you can still see its head. Oh, because wow. The water's in that area. Some, some of the areas near some of the springs there are very clear. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's fresh and saltwater mix. Uh, the okay. St. John's. Okay. Um, and then the most famous monster there uh, was from was spotted a lot in the '70s, but his story goes back a lot further too, even back all the way to the uh, late 1800s. Um, I know that's not long for British, but for Americans, late 1800s is like when history started. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing before 1776 matters. We don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> no, no I,
0: I, I saw that with some of the houses. I grew up in a house that was um, it was not particularly old, but I think the date on it was something like um, 1870 something. And the the little street that we're on now, again, not particularly old, but it's 1866, I think. And you think, oh, well, 1866. It's not the oldest thing in the world, you know, but it's not yesterday.
1: No, here, you know, where my house was built in the 1940s, and everybody's like, why don't you tear that down and get something nice and new? And I'm like, because everybody else does. This is. This yeah.
0: Is... Yeah. No, you keep that. You
1: hurricanes. Stuff. Yeah. Those new yeah.
0: Stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Keep your old house. If it survived that long, you should yeah. keep it.
1: The, um, but the monster of the St. John's that's famous, uh, was, uh, he was so different because he was noted to be, uh, the color of boiled shrimp. Uh, so he got the nickname Pinky. Oh, okay. That was at the height of Nessie mania. Mm. Um, and, uh, because that was right around the time in search of was airing and stuff like that over here in the States. And, um. So, you know, he, he became, you know, infamous in the Jacksonville area of North mm-hmm. Florida. And, um, and, uh, the, uh, he was even cited in the 80s when somebody claimed to have seen this giant body out on the side of uh, Lake Majore, which is at the end of the St. Johns River. And, um, when the people came out to find, you know, the townspeople came out to see it, uh, it had washed away, supposedly, or something. Uh-huh. And uh, so, um, now he's been theorized to be albino seals or albino manatees, which do congregate in some of his areas of sightings, but uh, that that famous sighting of him with like a snail-like head and a shell on his back and uh, and very pink, you know, that's not something you you know, you hear every day in the cryptid community.
0: No, that, I mean that's that's quite odd as well. Um, did it still have a kind of a long neck and, and flippers or anything like that described?
1: Yeah, it's they said it, it was kind of like the the hump of a giant turtle, a long neck that stood out of the water about three feet, and the head turned, and it either had horns or eye stalks, oh, and it okay. looked a more like a snail uh, type, but uh-huh. but the tail was on the other side of the river uh you know which is a good you know about half mile at that point where the siding oh, wow. was so this is a okay. huge beast and and yeah. and that river is you know we you know it's it's a river it's it it's it's huge in places so it it wow. could be um it 's not quite the mississippi but it's pretty big
0: no i mean sure i mean that's a that's a i always really intrigued by those um humongous really long 100 200 feet long now our sea serpent sightings going back to the sort of 18 1900s and before they tend to be like that up until right. Nessie Mania. then it gets into more relative sizes right and have you noticed anything like that with the more archaic the more historical sightings seem to be very elaborate or, or very very large and the more modern-day sightings which would be a little more matter-of-fact I'm guessing
1: yeah are tend uh, to come they, within a
0: normal proportion of of an animal
1: exactly like our our native american legends of the area uh, a lot of the Miccosukee and um and even some of the uh, calusa uh, and tokabega indians which eventually would become the creek and the seminole uh mm-hmm. that we know that as they migrated down and they all kind of blended when they, well they were forced down uh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh they um uh, but their legends of early beasts they have a they uh, one of the French early explorers of Florida had uh, met up with some guides and they were traveling uh, through uh, around the St. John's River and they talked uh, that they wouldn't go in, he thought he saw this giant snake uh, that was huge and this would have been long before the boas and <laughs> and pythons that have been imported <laughs> and and he said it was as wide as a whiskey barrel and was about two and a half uh you know lengths of the river long and uh so that would have been about two miles long and so yeah that's you know a crazy sighting of something that big but this guy was a noted explorer you know some of his stuff is what we used for maps of early florida and still there today so not one for embellishment really uh he also was the first guy to send europe back alligators and send them oh, wow. you know, some of the birds that are native here and some of the crazy wildlife. So, you know, th- you did you throw out that one account because it's so impossible or was well, it really something that he saw?
0: I think it's, um, for me personally, in this particular genre, there's certain things um, that we find easy to accept and others that we, we don't. And I actually have a question about that view. So I've investigated a lot of Bigfoot sightings here in the UK but also a lot of werewolf or what people would call dogman sightings now, I guess. And I find the Bigfoot sightings quite easy to believe because I could possibly find one or two candidates in the fossil record um, for it. And of course, there's footprints and all these kinds of things. But the dogman, werewolf type sightings, even though we have so much history and folklore surrounding it, it seems to be so um, superstitiously um, entrenched that it's hard for me to accept that. And I always make the joke that, you know, one man's, um dog banders and other man's Bigfoot, that kind of thing. Yes. And what's plausible to um somebody like me who like cryptozoology, I might, you know, brush away laugh at UFO and alien sightings because I have no interest in it. But I've noticed in your books that you actually cover a wide range of different types of phenom- phenomena. So how do you um how do you get into those sightings? How do you validate them against your own beliefs, or, or do you just try to look at them objectively and, and report what you hear and see?
1: I am um, a, a storyteller by nature. Mm-hmm. i I love the stories. That's what drew me into this. As we were running our haunted house, uh, I wanted instead of just having a, a you know a, a monster jump out at you, you know, or, you know like a werewolf, uh, I was like, "Oh, wait, why don't we make it the skunk ape that's Florida's mm-hmm. bigfoot." And, uh, you know, and and then, oh, hey, there's this uh, infamous bordello that burned down in Tampa uh, that, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders burned it down because a couple of them got, uh, you know, manhandled badly in there and one of them disappeared. So Roosevelt had the, the thing burned down. It was infamous because it was the city allowed it to run. And there were all these crazy deaths and disappearances associated with it, and this this figure called Madame Orr kept coming out. It was like her code name because it was called Madame Orr's Boathouse. And I, so of course, for the haunted house fan in me, I immediately made her, I made it from dusk till dawn, and made it vampires, and she was, you know, at all this, and wow. that was what we did for the haunted house. It was fun, but then we started looking into her real history and that's what started us down this rabbit hole of ghosts and monsters and murders and myths and government cover-ups. And then suddenly you're like, Whoa, where does it, you know, where's the reality? And, you know, where's, you know, what is this? And, um, and that's what, you know, like for us, it's about dog men, Bigfoot, you know, well down here, like I said, he's called you know, as Florida loves to name things, the skunk ape, because God. he smells bad. He, <laughs> lives in a, he lives in the swamps. So he's, covered in muck and grime and he smells of decay and you know Florida the ghost oh that's a skunk ape and you know that's you know and that's stuck you know um but even here you know as as I'm researching that I talk to you know Sasquatch hunters. I go on Sasquatch hunts with people. I go on paranormal investigations with ghost hunters. I don't consider myself a ghost hunter. I don't consider uh-huh. myself a you know a Sasquatch hunter I'm there for their story and the stories that they tell. And I'm looking into the history, why is this here? What, yeah, how long has this been here? And that's when I that's what I find the most interesting. Um, and then you sit there and you go, okay, now we look at it objectively, but we also look at it from, okay, this is how the story evolved. This is how it came. And now you start to go, well, there is some truth to this. And you start to say, oh, wait a minute. Okay, this is, this is even creepier than we thought.
0: Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing that surprises me uh, about a lot of what we, we encounter as well. I, I don't really get involved in the paranormal and the supernatural side of things, but it is very intriguing. and And one of the things that constantly comes up as a problem for me, actually, not having uh, much of a belief in that is when I talk to eyewitnesses um, and I'm investigating their credibility. And a lot of that is to do with interaction and sort of little psychological tells that people give away when they're, they're talking to you or they're fabricating something. Or, you know, if there yeah. are personal problems, for example, that are um, exhibiting themselves with these imaginary phenomena, one of the things. Uh, that I struggle with is that so many of the paranormal, of the supernatural type, or or the even alien encounters, uh, witness reports that I've read, seem to pass the same tests that I give to my witnesses for the things that I believe might be true. And then that creates a difficulty because, of course, it spreads out. is is there conflict, you know, between the different types of phenomena? Does one cancel another one out? And I'm just wondering what you think about that when you encounter so many different types of pheno- phenomena. Yeah. Is there any particular cryptid or, or ghost or um, alien-type phenomena happening in the area that you, seem, you think seems to contradict something else that you've investigated? Does, does that make any sense?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we uh, yeah. generally what we find is like um, there was a story that uh, I was drawn to. It was very close to our area in Tampa Bay and it was called Mini Lightning or Mini Lights. And we orig- and we had heard about it for years as this uh, ghostly lights that would come up. But oh, then yes. th- th- it would just, you would say the word Mini Lights around a certain house and the lights would come out and chase you. And it was the ghosts of circus performers. And it was this weird story. And... And I kept trying to get people to talk about it, and it seemed to be like if you were on one side of uh, St. Petersburg, you know, the more upscale side, everybody had one version of the story, and that was the one I had heard. But when we started talking to the southern side of the city and the bit more urban, uh, they were they had a completely different version where it was uh, huh. Mini Lightning, and she was the Voodoo Queen of Tampa Bay, and wow. she had little alligator men that would come out and steal your children wow and now the cryptid fan in me was like alligator people in the sewers yeah. i've got <laughs> to learn more about this and they were people would you know come up to me and say no you don't you don't talk about mini lights don't talk about mini lightning She'll she'll wow. she'll come get you i mean people were genuinely terrified of this
0: is there and a it, lot of superstition
1: in the uh, state not in some circles but in others you know not at all so it was it was funny because the people who I would assumed, you know, and I learned very quickly, don't assume anything in this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from anybody. Uh, started telling me their versions of the story, and then we started looking into the history, and suddenly it was we realized this was like seven or eight different historical things that had merged into one story, and that was what really set off the first, uh, the first, our first book for History Press, Erie, Florida. Uh-huh. Was we actually just pitched them a book about that, and they're like, "That's great. Expand it to the entire state." <laughs> and uh, because it was a, there was a Mennonite who ran a boarding house that kept circus people, and she was run out of town because people didn't want the circus people there. Uh-huh. We were the winter headquarters of uh, Ringling, just a little further south. So a lot of other little circuses came here. So a lot of people came here looking for work. So that seemed to be a true story. And then, and uh, we found even the boarding house uh, records and oh, that wow. she, you know, and it had closed. Uh, but then we'd heard stories about the fire and the ghosts and um there was a circus fire nearby. And so we figured, okay, that kind of maybe about that same time. So that could have blended in with the story. But what about the alligator people and, and the blue queen? <laughs> and then we start looking into it and uh so one version of the story was the little circus people had alligator skin and when the you know when the boarding house closed or burned down they fled into the sewers and that's where they've been living. Uh so alligators in the sewers of New York, that was pretty popular at the time. So yeah, could yeah. have easily transplanted down here. Uh especially since we were the alligator capital of the world. We start because we were actually uh here in Tampa Bay was more popular than Miami at that point because Miami was still kind of hard to get to. Mm. Um so we started looking into that, and suddenly we discovered, oh wait, the alligator farms in this area used to, uh, to entertain tourists, would kidnap children and throw them in the pits with the alligators and let them be chased. <sighs> and we were like, "This is the most horrifying thing we've ever heard. How is this possible?" And then what the we, hell? Exactly, right? And, you, and we were at the archives of the uh, St. Petersburg History Museum, digging through like we do, and we found a fan, like a little hand fan, uh-huh. that would have been given to a tourist, you know, while they were watching the alligator show, and it had a little kid looking like an old copper tone ad with the dog biting the girl's, you know, backside oh of gosh. an alligator chasing a child.
0: Oh my goodness
1: me. So now we know, okay... The alligator people will come and steal your children at night, and that would have been from the poor side of town.
0: Yeah. And
1: guess what? Now we've got that piece of the story.
0: They were the alligator people, the the That's- kidnappers. You know, I, it never it fails to surprise me. Actually, we live in the time at the moment where people feel that they, they they're losing, and they have so few rights, they just don't realize what the past was like.
1: Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kidnapped- nobody had any rights. <laughs> no not at all and uh you have the mind so to be like... offended by being chased
0: by alligators after you're kidnapped no it's uh...
1: <laughs> i mean you're you know, and it's and you know and so to see how that story evolved and became wow. that is like oh my gosh and so yeah that was one we were basically able to debunk but people on the south side still live in fear of that and you know i think they kind of have a legitimate reason to be afraid of that a
0: little do bit you think it becomes a it, yeah, definitely i mean do you think it becomes a kind of a, a, a cultural muscle memory like a cultural knee jerk reaction like a fear of spiders like here in the uk there's only really one spider that could give you a bite that's a bit nasty and they, even then you know it could get infected or it could swell up there's no dangerous creatures here really in that respect and yet you know People are commonly afraid of spiders. For that um, inherited cultural knee-jerk reaction, at some point they would have encountered spiders that could have killed them, could have hurt them.
1: Oh yeah, we have um, for thousands of, of years.
0: Yeah, exactly. There it makes sense, but here it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Everybody knows the spiders can't kill you. Um, so it's, it always appeals to me as a strange thing. We we inherit these weird cultural. Muscle memories, uh, things that we are afraid of, and they become myths and legends, and they develop, and it's a Chinese whisper kind of thing. Now, do you have any other examples of things like that? Of um, now I know the skunk ape is said to be a, a real creature, but are there other more archaic, older versions of the skunk ape in Florida's history, uh, more mixed up with myth and legend?
1: Yeah, we uh, you know because we did a lot of research on the skunk apes for both books because uh, we we found. We found the ones uh, down in the Everglades seem to be more lanky and orangutan-like and kind of orangey, and, um, and there's even the Skunk Ape headquarters down there that you can go to, and, uh, um, and their photos look like that of, of their evidence. Uh, and then you go um, up into the Ocala National Forest, which is the huge, whenever you look at like a lighted view of Florida from space, you see all those lights of all the big cities on the beaches. And then you go a little further inland, you see all the suburb areas kind of lit, not as bright. And then you see the big shining heart that's Orlando with all the theme parks and everything. Uh-huh. But then there's these big dark areas all around it. And, well, you know, the south one is obviously the Everglades. Mm-hmm. But then there's this b- two big spots in the middle, and one is the Green Swamp, which is the head of the Everglades. Up, It's actually the home of Florida's aquifer, and that's you know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres of just swamp, wow. and then uh, and then there's the Ocala National Forest, which is huge as well. It's one of the largest uh, state forests in the in the United States, which is saying a lot. We got some big ones, um, and it covers a big you know chunk of the state as well. And that has the more classic Sasquatch style, and that's the ones that the Indians. Of the area, uh, and now the current, uh, you know, the the current inhabitants, the Seminole tribe, uh, tends to talk about that, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and they have legends going back of, um, you know, they tie it in with uh, some people like to tie it in with the skinwalkers, uh, uh-huh. um, west, but that's not the Seminoles, they just had other words for them, the wild man. Uh, yeah, terms, like, I, I will not. Try to butcher it uh, for my my seminal friends. Uh, I'll going back if you're listening. I promise I won't try to spoil that. I won't butcher that word for you. Uh, oh, that's um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but um,
0: but it just generally just means wild man. Wild man, language. basically,
1: yeah, in okay. their language, and 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 they talk about him as a friendly thing that would come and uh, you know and and speak uh, or sing to the village, but it wouldn't come into the village. It wouldn't actually you know, but it was near near enough and it would communicate with them and and give them gifts from the forest and stuff like that and then they would give them offerings of meat and other things uh, uh no vegetarians here and uh and uh and uh so that you know ties in you see know, so, you, so you suddenly you start going okay well is that is there a mythological connection to that and then and then you get as as we love to name things you get one that is probably one of my favorite mythological or possibly just one of the craziest cryptids and that's up in jacksonville and that is it they're our very own skunk ape and he is called uh it's in the small town of Barton and he is known as the Barden booger um, okay
0: this is so this is a common a booger is a that's a common um american theme isn't it throughout yeah. the country
1: yeah um, of appalachian descent usually uh-huh. um which is, uh, they, they, that's when they, is it the boogeyman? Yes. You, know, you just call him the, the booger. Yeah, and uh, now and, uh, the town of Barden, their skunk ape was seen or as early as the 1800s, a huge tall guy with a lantern and kind of a pot belly, kind of a goofy uh-huh. looking thing by all accounts, not exactly the intimidating Sasquatch we expect. Mm-hmm. but uh, but he always carried a lantern and always seemed to be looking inquisitively at you. And uh, you would see the light, and this one famous uh, sighting, this lady was spooked off her horse by him, and as he ran back into the woods, he disappeared as he blended into the trees, but his light, she could still follow it for a few minutes before it went out. Um, wow. And so that, again, kind of became huge in the 60s, Uh, A local newspaper discovered the stories, and uh, this one editor decided to write a column as the Barden Booger. Uh, And it was basically his way of commenting on the changing of times. And, you know, it was kind of like, I've been here 100 years, and I've seen this come and go. And it was signed, you know, Barden Booger. And it was, you know, it was, (laughs) and so, and then the whole town kind of took up on that. And uh, sightings started pouring in, and hunters started coming, trying to catch the thing. And um, and that was another one we kind of debunked the '60s boom, uh, because when we got up there, uh, the guy there was a place there that everything happened. And this this is a a one stoplight town. There is just mm. a grocery store and some outlying farms. It's oh, not, gone. Okay. not at all. Yeah. Um, but the grocery store slash hardware store slash everything was called Bud's Groceries. It's still there. Bud's still there. Uh, and he was kind of Barden Booger Central. He had a sketch okay. of the creature, he had articles, he was, you know, he has like this X Files tile type file on it. And um, so when we bit went of, up to um, inter-
0: cryptid tourism, bit of branding.
1: Exactly. And when yeah. we went up to interview him about this, he pulls out the file and it's all the clippings and all this. It was pretty crazy. And he's like, He's like, yeah, in the 60s, I had one of my boys dress up in a costume and run around. Wow. And he, he almost admitted- got, oh, he totally admitted it. Just totally out of the blue. I didn't even ask him a question about it. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, and, uh, and he's like, and, uh, and then he got shot at by one of the hunters and um, the sheriff called us and told us, stop it or somebody's going to get hurt. And so we stopped. Uh, but then sightings kept coming, you know, after that. So okay, uh, what do you say? Yeah, he had a guy in a costume at one point, but the 1800s, he hadn't been around that long. Exactly. I mean, what
0: kind of costume are we talking about that period of time as well? It was a burlap covered in fur, right?
1: No, it wasn't even that. It was a gorilla costume, he admitted. He had bought a gorilla costume. Okay. And that was it. So.
0: Okay. I mean, I think a lot of these things, and what about genuine sightings, actually, one of the things that stands out to me, with things like Patty and a, a few others, is that whenever you see, there's a lot of, you know, cryptid commerce going on around the place at the moment, and a lot of great photos and, you know, funny little conferences with some great Sasquatch suits. One of oh, the yeah. things that stands out in every single one of them, they can't get the musculature that you see in the Paddy film or, or some other examples as well. You can't get that realistic movement of body beneath fur even when they spend a lot of money on it, you can you know, do the face well, you can get some animatronics in, you just can't fake that bit very well. And that to me, it stands out a lot because of course, Paddy was in the, was it 67? I forget the exact date now, actually, uh, the Bluff Creek. and um, And here we are, you know, 50 odd years later, 51 years later, and we still can't make anything as good as that.
1: No, and an amazing and thing. and and some occasionally some sightings pop up, and you sit there and you go, "Wait a second, what is that?" You know, mm-hmm. uh, some like I said are pretty easy. We we there was a recent sighting we were called out to. the The beauty of when the books hit and we started getting on radio shows like Coast to Coast AM, that was huge, and uh, a couple other big shows. Suddenly, I get, my email box went from getting a few emails here and there to dozens to hundreds. And uh you know, and now yeah, I get tips from you know readers and fans a lot. Not and nice. uh and I they are invaluable. I love some of these things. Um and one of them was that we had got and as soon as it hit the news, I got flooded. And um with uh they'd seen a a couple of truck drivers had seen a giant flying pterodactyl mm-hmm. uh, in, near the town of Brandon, Florida, which is near Tampa. And I'm like, oh shoot, that's that's a short drive for me. I'll go, I gotta go see this. Wow. Uh, went out and talked there's some campers nearby had seen it as well, and it had been there for a few days. So now a lot of people might just not be familiar with Florida's birds and some of that. So I'm thinking, okay, some of these are could be tourists who don't know what a Cormoran mm-hmm. looks like because they kind of like the look
0: crane like crane or something. Yeah, like they
1: that. look yeah, the Cormorans look like almost look like dragons in flight. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're pretty crazy or gargoyles, yeah. You know, uh, if you don't know what you're looking at. And, uh, so I'm like, that's gotta be what it is. And we go out there and, um, we actually got to interview the, the truck driver had been interviewed, uh, for the, the whole original article. Um, and that's he was crazy. like, he's like, I'm from Florida. I know what a Cormorant is. I know what this is. That was something completely different. And he told, showed us right where it was, you know, in the area he saw it. Um, and we knew there was a camping site nearby. So I was like, well, maybe it might've been a drone, or somebody messing with people, you know, that's my immediate uh-huh. thought. And so we go over to the campsite and we're asking around there and somebody else had seen it. And so now we've got a few witnesses. So something weird. And, and, and the one witness was a Florida hunter. He'd been around for years. So he's like, no, oh. not, not that, not that. So, um, so that one's still kind of on our, our books and our radar. We've, we've been over there a few times. It hasn't been seen again recent, but you know, a lot of the birds migrate through this area so maybe this thing migrates, but I'm I'm dying to learn more about that, and that's a uh, you know another wonderful cryptid that's just well, that's, popped up.
0: That's a fascinating subject. I actually uh, interviewed Jonathan David Whitcomb recently from the Living Pterosaur Group, and he's been over to, a island in Papua New Guinea, and he reports on pterosaur sightings in the U.S. and other places, and even in the U.K. And one of the ones I included in my book that was reported here was of two pterosaur sightings. We've had several. Um, that would seem Shropshire and a place called Witchurch by a woman who lives next to a, a bird, uh, reserve, you know, it's like a wild area, area of natural beauty and a special wildlife reserve, they get migratory birds coming into that place. And she said, I know the birds in this place. These were not birds, you know, they had leathery wings and points on the back of their head. They were huge, you know, they were about six, seven feet across. And they, they made a very strange image, a very strange cry as they flew over my head. That they flew right over my head and disappeared, you know, a few fields down between some trees. And that to me, it's, you know, this is what happens all the time. The subject that the person to- is talking about seems completely unbelievable. And yet the manner in which it's delivered is very regular, oh. very matter of fact, mundane. I always like that mundane presentation. Not just a...
1: Those are the ones I love too. It's when, you mm. know, when somebody's like, Oh, I got to straight to tell you. can't wait to tell you that. Oh, you you, you know and Those are like, Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold mm. on. Yeah. You're or never going to believe this. The, uh, I think it was red. It might yeah. have been green. Yeah. yeah. Those you're like, Okay. But, you know you, you know, you were talking about you're not a big UFO fan or aliens no. fan. We were up in the panhandle. And, you know, I, I, I'm I a sci fi fan. So I, I like them from that aspect. Oh. Yeah, I like the idea of not, you know, of of hey, let's let's play Buck Rogers someday, yeah. You know, but um, I just dated myself there instead of uh saying no. Well,
0: we yeah, were around stuff. about the same date actually.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> I good. remember Buck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to meet Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray a few years ago at a convention. Oh, wow! Was, that was like kids' dream come true. It's of
0: course. Like, of yeah, course. Not, all I gotta
1: get is uh, Brian Blessed off my bucket list before. Oh, uh, I
0: mean, uh, let's hope he sticks around. Of course, and hopefully be wearing his of um. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what was it? Was it the Falcon Man or the Eagle Man from Flash Gordon? Yeah,
1: yeah, v- Gordon's alive. Yes, that's yeah. like my dream yeah. is to have him say that to me. So that's like, uh, some point. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I, so I we went up to investigate the Gulf Breeze flap, which happened in the 80s, you know, hundreds of sightings, and of course, the famous uh, Ed Walters had all these crazy photos that were amazing, and you know, he got them over and over again. And so he was like set the world on fire, and he was you know you know chair to the gods. People were trying to get his pictures published, and he was you know the king of UFOs. And a few years later, finds out oh it was a, you know as he moved out of his house, someone moved in and found the model kit in his in his seat oh, um, wow. and you know and you know and then another kid came out and said he was the the guy who held up the model for the uh, you know the burned shame. image, and you know double social. Now he says he was set up that the FBI is trying to cover up his stuff. It's like. Dude, you got caught. Admit it. Yeah. Uh, but um, but uh, I never even heard of that kid. I don't know. Who, who would be stupid enough to leave a model in the attic? You. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. I uh, uh,
0: forgot it was there.
1: But oh, it yeah. didn't explain the hundreds of other sightings at the same time. And in fact, his ship didn't match the descriptions of the other sightings. And there's still sightings out there all the time. And now there's Eglin Air Force Base right there and the Pensacola Naval Station are right there. So a lot of people think that they're doing like some sort of joint operation. Yeah. Because yeah. they have tested, you know, the stealth fighter was te- tel- tested there. The, you know, the stealth oh, oh, bomber come was tested there. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we started looking into that, we started hearing more about the USOs, which were the unidentified submerged objects, which were giant black shapes in the water. Now, I'm thinking whale or, you know, possibly some sea monster cryptid. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, that's what I'm hoping for. But then we're hearing that they come up out of the water and turn into UFOs and fly away. And the most common is the Black Triangle stuff that you hear about a lot. And we talked to one captain, you're talking about the reason I got off on this subject was that this one captain, so matter of fact, and so dead man, and, 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 but also a little haughtingly was like, I was out on the water, my depth finder went from 400 feet to 12 feet and he freaked out. He thought a whale was coming up under him or he'd gone off course and was, you know, coming up on a wreath or a sandbar uh-huh. that he hadn't, you know, had drifted. And so he goes running out on deck and he sees the black shape under his, under his boat and it's bigger than his boat. And then it comes out of the water, doesn't make a sound and hovers above him, you know, you know, and then, and then shoots off into the sky without making a noise and i'm like and i'm watching him and i'm watching the hairs on his arm stand on end as he's telling me this okay and you can't fake that exactly i'm like you know i'm you know good actors can but this guy's a fisherman you know and uh and he's like and he was like i was like so you've been drinking he's like of course, I've been drinking. Gum. I was on a boat, you know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know. And I'm like, nobody else would have said that if they were trying to make it up. They'd be like, oh, I was yeah. sober as can be. And, and that's then he's the like, other
0: thing as well. Who drinks and sees that? If you yeah. see anything like that when you drink, you need extra help. This is yeah, not drinking no problem.
1: Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, what the heck are you drinking? But uh, you know. But then the other thing is, it's like, he's like, you know. And I'm like, did you take a picture of it? And he's like, of course I did. And he pulls out his phone. He's like, but it was a black shape on a black sky above me here's my picture and it's just a big black picture yeah. <laughs> you know it's like yeah. i'm like you know and i always tell everybody is like yeah try to take a picture of your nightstand oh, uh in the middle oh. of the night without the flash you and can't. see how that picture that's right next to you see how that turns out on your phone
0: i did one at the um at the, the i was at Loch Ness recently in January and i did one at the edge of the loch at nighttime just to show people how dark it was and i stood right next to the water and i you know, put the camera out no light, a natural view. There was nothing. You could see nothing. Yep. You could even see a glimmer of water. No. Completely black. And that's that's what it's like at night. That's the natural state without artificial lighting.
1: Yep. And people just don't understand it. I was like, well, moonlight. And even that's not usually bright enough to... No. you know, Sometimes it can be very bright, but sometimes it's not going to be bright enough to get anything on camera. And that's I know that's why people are like, well, I wish they wouldn't use thermal images or night vision cameras. I'm like, what else are they supposed to do? Run around with a flashlight? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's not gonna, you know, oh, I'm
0: just I'm, are... I'm fed up of seeing sort of a this this green night vision view mm. all the time. Can't you come up with something better?
1: <laughs> yeah. I know that's that's what we hope. Like day <laughs> that, <you know>, vision. <laughs> that's uh, you know, that's why they you know, they set up the trail cams. They get unusual things on the trail cams and you're like, yeah. "What's that?" You know, who Well, it's fake because it's a trail cam. Yeah. How do
0: you know? Yeah. You
1: know, you, you know it's it's you know, you it's that's when people come at me and go, "Well, where's the evidence?"
0: Context is so important. Yes. I think it's so important because uh, there are a lot of hoaxes and fakes and things like that. Well, not even hoaxes, but just um, overestimations of evidence. I get the thing I get sent most of all the time, which just kills me. I don't get so many red circles anymore around bushes, which used to kill me at one point. <laughs> just getting all of these bushes covered in red circles with you know claims of things being in them. But it's yeah. the paradoxical type photo. So, yeah. I had one recently, here is a troll in a bush. And it's, of course, the, the focus is pulled back. It's blurry, the picture, and it's zoomed in. And I'm thinking, why are you presenting the picture in this format? You've obviously doctored it. And oh, then yeah. gave it to me and said, oh, here's a troll. I said, can I have the original, please? Oh, I don't have the original anymore yeah. because I cropped it. And then it's, you know, you can't see it in the original. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Come on. We, we, we all know what's going on here, and we all want to see something, yeah. but you know, this, is not, you know, this is not the natural state. One thing I've noticed in one of your books, which really did interest me, and it's because these types of tales are synonymous with, with things around the world, and it does mention a, a name that's dear to me, so it's, a, it's a Gnomes of Book Tower, Lake well, Wales. yes! Yeah.
1: This is probably what got us the most attention. Uh-huh. Because it was one not many knew. And also we have documentation, which is, as a historian and a researcher, that was key. I was never going to publish this story. I I had it. It was an email back when we ran the haunted house. Uh-huh. This little old lady from Lake Wales sent us this wonderful email describing this amazing event that happened in her childhood. And um, I sat on it. I mean, we always put a gnome in the haunted house as a tribute to this story. And everybody kept saying, why do you have a gnome in your haunted house? And I'm like, is that just something you hide every year? And I'm like, <laughs> trust me, it ties to a story. It's just, I can't tell it to you. You know, I want to tell it. I would tell it to my friends and stuff like that and be like, that's so insane. I'd be like, yes, it is. So there's this area in Florida called uh, near this beautiful, uh, it's called Iron Mountain, uh, the area, and and Florida the mountain is 200 feet off sea, above sea level. So that's 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 the scale. You, know, okay. you know, Space Mountain is actually almost as big as this. Uh, wow. Yeah, you know, it's you know, 200 feet. I know over there is like a foothill. So, you know, this is, yeah, it's not the Appalachians or anything like no. that. This is just, no, just, it's a large, it's the highest, one of the highest points in Florida. Uh, you have to go all the way up to the panhandle to find anything even close to that, uh, that even gets higher than that. Um, but um, it has a lot of weird vibe to it. Uh, there's a gravity well he, hill next to it. Uh, are you familiar with those where you, you you park your car at the base of the hill? Uh, you're like in between two hills and you park your car down in the valley and your car will roll backwards uh, up a hill if you put it in neutral. Ooh, or,
0: oh, does it really have a genuine gravity hill?
1: Uh, yes, it's called wow. Spook Hill. And what's funny about it is it's actually an optical illusion. If you go out there with a lever... Yeah, you know, a level you'll you'll see that what's up you think is up is down and all that uh, because you're at the base of another big hill. But it's just kind of cool. The whole town loves it; they've embraced it. They have a Spook Hill Elementary right there with Casper, the friendly ghost, as their mascot. It's adorable. Uh, I actually like it just because when you're parked there waiting to to get your car to roll backwards, if you look over at the the playground, kids are chasing balls uphill. It looks like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's makes me crazy. But anyway, nearby is this thing uh, called Bach Tower. This uh, uh, man built this tower and made an impressive garden there. It's still there to this day. It's a big bell tower. And you can see it for miles around because Florida's pretty flat up to that mountain. And um, and so there's a lot of orange groves near there. It's probably the heart of the citrus industry of the state. And the old groves are still there. They're, you know, it's like driving through what must have been 20s and 30s Florida because you're on dirt roads orange clay and, you know, and all these citrus trees everywhere. Um, But this lady wrote us a story that she, in the 1940s, had lived with her aunt on one of these orange groves in the shadow of, of uh, Bach tower. And um, they noticed the fruit was going missing. So uh, from a bunch of the trees. So they thought they either had fruit rats or somebody was coming and stealing. So they set up traps and they put up some strings with cans, you know, the classic, and um uh, and the next day, not a rat in their trap, they caught this little man oh, wow. uh, they said it was about she said he was about six inches tall uh- as uh, small as uh what they had was a milk bottle they said um and uh and he was naked, they knew he was a man, he wasn't a baby because he was covered in hair, he was screaming him at a, screaming at him in a language he couldn't understand oh. and um uh, and they didn't know what to do with him. So they called the police. And this is where we get some documentation. Wow. The police come out and they think he's a circus performer. They, because, again, as I said, Florida was home to a lot of circuses. Yeah. Uh, the Rio Ringling. Ripley's was opening his first museum on the other side of the state. Uh, and uh, so that was you know pretty famous. Tom Thumb was hugely famous. So it was, you know, it wasn't unheard of that this could be something like that. And they're like, well, obviously this little guy is not stealing your all your fruit. So, you know, they, they just let him go. They didn't know what else to do with him. Wow. And uh, and so, you know, the family's like, wow, that was weird. But, you know, she remembers him being on the table. Uh, and then she said they the next couple nights, more fruit's missing. So they set up more traps, and they catch the guy again. And they... <laughs> And they don't. And, and this time they call the police. That you have to do something about this. They actually caught him with an orange or something, um, and it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So they police take him in. They can't put him in handcuffs because he's too small. So they put him in an orange crate and cart him off the the station. And that's when she said all hell broke loose. They said trees and rocks and all this were thrown at their house, and uh, they 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 didn't know what was going on. They went outside and there's dozens of the little guys, wow. you know, s- screaming at them. So they call the police, the police come back. They'd apparently tried a couple translators. They had uh, a Spanish translator and a Portuguese translator. They didn't understand them. Um, and again, they're, they, they're freaked out by this. So they let him go again and they all flee out into the woods. Um, and the cops, you know, left it at that. Now, I was, you know, after I talked to this lady, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, And I sat on that story for years and uh, she passed away. And I'm like, oh, now I'll never be able to get any more information on this. I'd kind of kept up with her a few times. I'd gotten a couple phone interviews with her um, over the years, um, pre-internet days. and um, Well, early internet days. I think it was an AOL address. Um, Anyway, uh, she... You know, we 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 thought that was it. I was and we started doing this book, and I'm like, I would love to run this story, but there's no way. But then thanks to the internet, I got on Facebook and got on a little Did you know you know, you know, you know do you remember growing up in they have all those groups like that? You know, oh, you, remember, yeah. you remember back in the sixties in this town and you know and this. And I got onto the Lake Wales, which is the area around there, they had one of those groups, and I said, Does anybody Remember anything about a farm and circus performers being arrested for stealing oranges? I, th- I left it as vague as possible. Uh-huh. Uh, I admitted I was throwing out a wide net just to see what, if I could get even sure. some. Sure, not. And sure enough, a civilian worker for the police station remembered the case wow and called me. And well, he messaged me on Facebook and I got him to call me. And they uh the lake wales police department is so excited that this might have actually happened that ah. they were digging through all these old records to try to find the original reports now this is the 1940s so these were paper records they're in archives in florida the only thing we got was the two officers had, you know saying that they went out to the farm on this day apprehended a diminutive suspect that could not be spoken with And so that's the only thing we found so far.
0: And in her her description, it was naked and completely covered in hair.
1: Yes, and that's they said a diminutive suspect. So you know that's as close as we got right now. But they the city is desperately trying to find more records because they want the like I said they've embraced Spook Hill. They would die if they had gnomes (laughs) that they could advertise as well. So. and, uh, you know, and like I said, uh, the, the legend goes that – or she said that her aunt got a rock uh, from Ireland that was blessed and uh. put it out in the field. And that would keep away the, you know, the the gnomes and keep them happy. And um, and now what – she gave us directions to the place. And like I said, she passed. So we were going by this ancient email I had as we were driving out into this old – and we found the orange grove. And we found the turns. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this uh. is – This is still here. It's now owned by a big orange conglomerate. Um, um, And we get out there, and we take this turn, and I'm like, this is the clearing. The rocks should be here. And there were all these big white boxes. I'm like, what are these? And that's when we found out, that's where they keep their bees to pollinate the uh, the, the oranges. (laughs) So we didn't get out of the car to try to take a picture of them. Sure, sure. (laughs) Show us.
0: Turns out the best way to... um to get rid of the little people is actually to get yourself a whole host of bees. Yeah, that's
1: probably taking care
0: of it too. Of course, we've got stories, and even very recent stories of um, there were two golden-maned little men seen in Arrington Woods here in the UK in, I think it was New Year's Day of 2018. Wow. And they were completely hair-covered, about three feet high, I think, more or less, about three feet high. With a little, one of them had a little, uh, like a loin, kind of a loin cloth mm. on him. We have had other sightings that are more troll-like or more like the Australian genjady or a littlefoot, as people might describe it. Yeah. but these other guys, they seem more like a little people, even though they're still hair-covered. I often wondered if there's a difference between the two, and I spoke to Gary Open, who's um uh, a naturalist and cryptozoologist in Australia. He also spoke of a phenomenon there of having the junjardi, which are like it's like a small yaoi mm. or a smaller species of yaoi, and also a pygmy people of a kind that uh, are very small and, and also quite hairy. So I'm wondering if it does seem to be some correlation around the yeah, world with I these mean,
1: What there's one of the was it is it Captain Cook, one of the explorers talks about uh, you know a Dutch the Dutch wiping out a colony of them on an island somewhere of of very small people. And um and when we, um, when we were first talking about this and we started getting feedback from other people, uh, one, we got a lot of people saying that they were probably Indonesian. And uh-huh. we were like, why does, why does that make sense? And they were like, because was, there was a boat of Indonesian uh, little people that had come to America to try to get work in the circus. And, uh-huh. um, and a recent uh, season of American Horror Story with uh if anybody remembers the season freak show had a young lady who was the smallest one in the world playing on it and um and we actually got to meet her and uh talk to her and she's from indonesia and she was talking about um you know that uh, she, she she loved our book and thought it was very funny uh that you know with the gnome so she posed with a pig you know my uh wonderful wife uh, carrie schultz's uh illustration of the gnome she posts for a picture with it <laughs> so,
0: oh that's great and the
1: illustrations as tall as she is she's only a foot tall <laughs> she's and, a uh, foot tall yeah she's wow. the smallest woman in the world
0: I, I often wondered um in times past where communities stuck closer together overall you know you stayed with your own kind largely if uh, you know, groups, tribes, and societies of very small people could have existed simply because they, you would cleave to your own or yep. you would seek a husband or wife of, of the same diminutive stature and, you know, carry on that bloodline or that, that genetic uh, predisposition to that, that particular size. And it, it makes sense to me. If you go into the Congo, what do you have? They have a whole pygmy tribe of people. We know they're pygmies. We know they're about four feet tall. You know, nobody's surprised by it because we know about them
1: yeah
0: um but you know go 150 200 years ago you'd be shocked you know who are these tiny people here living in this jungle um now I, something very interesting i'm sort of flicking through parts of the books um and talking about spiders again <laughs> and the fear people have of them I I suddenly happened upon the Trestle Bridge Spider-Monster. Oh,
1: yes. I was hoping we'd get back to spiders. Mm. Yes. I mean, (laughs)
0: that that sounds terrifying.
1: Yeah. This is a crazy legend uh, and another one close to home over in Tampa. Uh, We had heard about it. I heard about it when I was in high school in the area. Um, And um, there was like, oh, you don't go to the Nebraska Avenue Trestle Bridge. And I was like, yeah, you don't go there because you'll be murdered. Uh, cause it was a very bad area of town <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and they're like, no, no, no. The trestle bridge, the monster will get you a monster. And and some people talk about the trestle bridge ghost. And so you'd hear a couple different versions again. So we were like, oh, we got to look into this one too. And, uh, you get over there and there's this old train trestle bridge and it goes right over the Hillsborough river. Now this is a lot smaller at this point than, uh. Um, you know, like the St. John's River or other things we uh-huh. talked about. This is this is a you know it's still not small, but you know it's uh, you know maybe a, you know a two-lane road wide at this point. Okay. So, um, and it's right next to a high school, which we 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 learn a lot of legends come from high schools, uh, and um, and it does have a large number of disappearances and mysteries about it that where people were last seen near the bridge, but it is a trestle bridge. So a lot of bad things happen on trestle bridges because yeah. there's, yeah. you're not supposed to be on them, but kids from the high school, Hey, it's a shortcut. It saves them from walking all the way around to the other bridge to get back onto the main road at Nebraska Avenue. This is a lot quicker. gets them right to the main yeah. bus stop. <clears throat> so as long as no trains are coming, good for you. Well, the legend goes that there's this creature that lives under the bridge And this body, you see this, what looks like a guy in a suit uh, sitting on the bridge, like right about the middle of the bridge. And you hear him going, help, help, uh, or crying out or just making moans, depending on which version of the story you hear. And then when, you know, when you go out and you're lured out onto the bridge to to get him, you realize that suddenly this spidery creature rises up behind him and it's using the body like an angler fish. No. Use a, you could know, use a bait. It's actually this sea spider-looking thing with angled legs and all that. And if you've ever seen a sea spider, those will terrify mm. you, uh, yeah. even though they're not really very dangerous. Uh, but but so then you've got the choice of either get eaten by this thing or the water below. And like I so said, there's a lot of suicides, a lot of mysteries off this one little bridge. There are a lot bigger bridges in Tampa Bay that have a lot more suicides, but this one still has a lot too, and uh, mm. and it's um, it's pretty crazy. So it's uh, so that's an interesting monster. And what's funny about that is we realized it kind of tied into the Internet uh, Slenderman phenomena because um, the you know, that it was a Photoshop monster urban mm, legend, making urban yeah. legend. And, uh, you know, he became infamous online. Well, suddenly he started growing tentacles out of his back, and no one really knows where that came from because the early Mm -hmm. legends didn't show anything about that. But some of the posts that started on uh, the Creepypasta website, which is like a Wikipedia for these things, um, started being edited in from people in Tampa. So kids in Tampa who knew this story added to the Slenderman legend because he looked a heck of a lot like Slenderman. So that's our theory.
0: I think the, the urban, urban legends, you know, they're very, very interesting because they're almost one format of the old myths and legends that were developed, you know, in thousands of years uh, of our cultural history and a place like the United States, which historically has welcomed a lot of different cultures and countries from around the world, a lot of different races and peoples. You get a, a melding almost of everybody's um, um, inherited superstition. Right yeah, I so. uh, imagine in a place like Florida you must have a, a real melting pot of different peoples too. Now what I wanted to ask you about was are the different areas of different parts of Florida are they particularly occupied by certain you know um, people that belong to certain ethnic groups historically so like you said like the Dutch or um, uh, the Seminole Indians or African Americans or Spanish I mean latin uh, American uh, German etc English. And do you find that those particular areas have more of a representative form of their um, their background culture superstition, their original culture?
1: We get a lot of, um, yeah. You know, uh, Tampa has a, a, a district uh, known as Ybor City, which was the cigar capital of the world for a time. And it had a lot of Cuban and Spanish immigrants. Uh-huh. So a lot of the ghostly legends of that area generally follow you know, lost loves or, you know, tragic romances, which tend to fit the, you know, that sort of theme. Uh, And I even had some uh, early chupacabra sightings in that Mm -hmm. area. So, and down in Miami, which also has a large, you know, Latino community. Uh Um, And then uh, up in uh, Tarpon Springs uh, is a very known, famous for being a, a Greek, you know, Mecca, uh, you know, with a lot of uh Greek immigrants coming to it for the tarpon, you know, for the tarpon fishing and the sponge docks, uh-huh. and so they have a like a Greek orthodoxy background. And up there, uh, the, the legends and the monsters tend to have kind of uh, um, some sort of moral to them, you know, some sort of you know, this is you know, you, this guy came to a bad end because he was a bad man, or okay. you know, this this monster, you know, uh, you know you know a lot of things up there are called like the devil's woods and the you know you know and things like that so So this
0: beast exists to take care of that bad guy or kid or something like that yeah Yeah, exactly
1: and then um you know so you know so yeah you do that a little bit but because we are so you know diversified down here and everything Mm -hmm. comes from everywhere we get a little bit of everything and that's um and that's i think that's why we get so many you know people think it's all beaches and tourists and you know yeah. theme parks and if you you know on the edge of Florida, yeah, that's very true, but then you know you've got Saint Augustine, which is you know the oldest city in america uh you know it beat Plymouth Rock by a few years and um and it's um it's you know it's a spanish uh colony and it's still got a strong cultural heritage of that um I mean, you know, 1500s and 1600s, and the town likes to pretend that it, you know, most of the buildings there are still from that. There's about nine or ten of them from that era, uh, but they build them all <laughs> around there to look like they're still from there in the historic. That's
0: history. nice.
1: That's and,
0: nice. Uh, Hang on to that that background.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's a wonderful town. That's that town's got more ghost stories than I'll, i I could fill a dozen books just on that town, um, and uh, and weird happenings. There was a bishop that exploded uh you know that's it's just spontaneous combustion not not quite he was dead uh but they Ah. wanted to display him and this was the 1800s and so they didn't know how to keep him because embalming was still frowned on by the church so they they just just kept him on ice in a in a metal coffin in florida in june (laughs) and they basically built a pressure cooker And he he exploded. Yeah, it was pretty
0: beautiful. Sorry, that's just such a vivid image. I'm trying to shift that out of my mind at the moment. Sorry. The bloated, gassy,
1: exploding bishop. Yep. And uh, it's a shame because he was actually a a wonderful bishop. He actually brought, uh, you know, he was the first one to say, let's embrace the freed slaves and and all this. And So, you know, well, love man, but now he's remembered for being exploding. Uh, But, um, but yeah you know so you get all that over there and amazing stuff all over the state and it, but then you get further inland and you get the rurals you, you get the suburbs and the you know the big cities that support the tourism and then you get a little further inland and it's more rural and farmland and that's when things start to get a little crazy and mm-hmm. then like i said you get into those dark areas the 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 green swamp the you know, the National Forest, Ocala National yeah, who's Forest. Who's living out
0: there? Area. Is there anybody living in those
1: areas? Yeah, there's small towns. There's uh, a lot. If you go into the Green Swamp, there's a great uh, guy that we team up with a lot. Uh, he's He runs the Florida Trailblazer uh, site, and he just marches into Florida swamps and jungles and, wow. and, and forests and finds these old ghost towns, the old you know, as the railroads were all trying to get to Miami and Tampa, they would run these lines. Everybody just get as cheap a land as they could. They'd run as many lines out there until they ran out of money or people died. You know, and then these little towns would spring up along the rail line. And then the rail line would die out because it didn't make it or some other rail line beat them. And suddenly that whole area became a ghost town. And, (laughs) but there's still families out there. There's still people who live in those little towns and stuff. And, And it's just like any cross-section of America. You'll find little, you know, rural communities that are, um, you know, looks like something driving through the heart of Kentucky or Tennessee, you know, mountain, you know, hunting towns, and stuff like that. You know, things you do not expect in Florida, but it's the South. So, you know, it is what it is. And uh, But then you'll find these big million-dollar homes and housing complexes going up in the middle of nowhere because land is so expensive on the coasts People don't mind driving an hour, you know, to get to town. You know, let's just build something out here. And they buy these $100 million homes, you know, in the middle of nowhere. You're just driving along. Suddenly, you're, you know, past these two old tractors rotting on the side of the road. And then suddenly this million-dollar housing complex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, that, makes, that makes perfect sense to me. You know, buy cheap and, and get yourself some space. Living yeah. here on the, the outskirts of London, you, you really do value what it is to have a little bit of room around you um <clears throat> i think it's it's a fascinating place florida it, that little stop off that i had really piqued my interest i'd love to get back out there someday and, and just really get out there in the other everglades and some of the forests and, and have a look around and, and come back in one piece as well <laughs> that would be yeah. fantastic go,
1: through, go now, from uh, december to january to february like march the mosquitoes start coming back and then okay. the heat hits in april and you don't want any part of anything from april till you know after we have our 11 months of summer you know <sighs> then you're fine so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> once the 11 months of summer uh, yep. are done so just yeah, the three days at the end there
1: yeah yeah we get, three we get we get we get three random days of winter you get a couple days of spring that <laughs> and they're random it'll it'll jump back up to 90 degrees and 100 yeah. percent humidity and then the next day it'll be 20 degrees and you'll be like what where did oh, this wow. come from
0: that's amazing you know, I, I i do spend a, a good bit of time in the middle east actually every year and um it's but it's a different kind of heat it can get very humid but it's normally that sort of desert dry that you get you know, that real hot dry and coming from a, a being from Celtic extraction and, and coming from wales originally You know, it can rain every day there a lot of the time. You know, the sky is generally a sort of a light grey colour most of the year. We're talking about 30, 35% overcast throughout the entirety of the year. So it's a very different environment for me. But I think Florida is a nice middle ground. The people I met there were were nice. They seemed very, very original in many parts. (laughs) There were lots of original characters. And I don't say that in a bad way. Just people were themselves. It seemed what if they decided to believe they were going to go with it and i I kind of like that
1: it is totally a uh, uh, a very uh, you know they have the you have the uh you know the you know here in America we are very- just like everywhere divided right down the middle you got the left side and the right side politically you got the you know and, and all that Florida is a bit of both, and we are right down the middle and that's why every politician comes to fight for Florida because it is uh, a swing state swing state. Because yeah. everybody moves here because hey, beautiful weather, it's sunny and shining, oh well, until those crazy hurricanes and uh you know and storms yeah. come in
0: so there's a little part of the the um the whole hurricane season where you just live in the sports hall or you know a big stadium yeah. somewhere right <laughs>
1: <laughs> just keep lots of water. We were the worst we've had over the years we got we were when, when Irma came through, we lost power for eight days now, I have friends wow. up in the Panhandle who um are still destroyed from the hurricane last year. And it's going to be years before they're rebuilt. It's crazy. Um, That was devastating. Uh, You know, but, you know, Andrew hit down in Miami a number of years ago, and that's finally back on track. But it takes a while. People think, oh, Florida will recover in a day or two. Mm. Uh, no, it's, there's some big scars still, yeah. and they uh, just- These it, are natural
0: it's, catastrophes, it's just, yeah. it's a modern country, and it's not like getting hit in the developing world, world so I guess. Um, not to, to make light of, of that particular storm, Irma, no. by the way, um, but the, a slang term here for um, a woman's time of the month when she's feeling very <laughs> irritable is, Aunt Irma is visiting, yes. That you was probably big. heard of that. So when I heard about Storm, I was really making a mess of it. But well, she's clearly very angry. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we we get a lot of uh, British uh, tourists and uh, you know, and we have a lot of expatriates here, and they uh, all uh, they all uh, were joking about that on uh, oh, the- everybody. Irma's the oh, coming to town. <laughs> better better lock up for a few days. You
0: better lock uh, up because it's gonna get bad. <laughs>
1: Now we've got a cryptid story about a hurricane uh in Freaky, Florida, uh that uh got some re again, got documented a number of years later. There was a legend in the nineteen thirties uh in um uh uh Port Charlotte area, which is uh just north of uh Fort Myers and Naples <clears throat> on the Gulf Coast. And um this hurricane came through, and now we saw this when Irma came through. As it passed, it sucked all the water out of Tampa Bay. Now, this was the Florida-Alabama hurricane. They didn't name them back then. And this one came through and hit the south of Florida and then went up and hit Alabama. Now, what it did, this is in the, you know, the late 20s. It was in the height of the Great Depression. Everybody was starving. And suddenly, the water rushes out. And everybody can just run and grab crabs and fish and basically anything they want to eat. They can just go grab it because it's just flopping around out there. And so this family runs out there with all the other families, and they're trying to find stuff. And further out in the way out there, they see what they think is a pirate chest. Uh, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this could be gold, this could be treasure." And you know, pirates pretty po- you know pretty common along the Florida coast, uh, even up until the late 1800s. And so they go running out to get this chest. Now the water starts coming back in. <clears throat> and they but they're like we got to get this chest and they dig and they dig and the legend says inside was just full of cannonballs uh, so uh-huh. you know not a, not something that would save their family from starvation oh, gosh. Um, but now the water's coming and they're caught so they're trying to swim back to shore they get washed in by a giant tidal wave now they're inland they don't know where they're at and the waters are rising around them from the river so they run and climb on this little hill And they sit on this hill with a tree and then suddenly the waters are still rising. They don't know what to do. And the hill starts floating and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're on a boat. We're on an upside down boat. That's just grown over. And you know, they're, they're terrified because now they're going to get washed out to sea on this thing. And it suddenly changes course and Mm -hmm. they look down in the water And the story says that the girl sees the head of a giant turtle and Uh. little, um, you know, and and it starts swimming the other way. Now we've got a lot of box turtles and we've got sea turtles and they get pretty big, um, in the area now. And apparently it swims them back to shore and the family is saved according to the legend. Now we started looking into it and again, it was one of those, some people had heard of it. Other people never heard the story, uh, Didn't seem to be a cross-section or anything. But then, as I'm looking into it, I found, from a 1966 newspaper in Fort Myers, a Navy diver who was working on the Port Charlotte Harbor, um, doing some work there, saw what he described as a 30-foot sea turtle with no shell. And he was so struck by it, he went and had the artist draw it, sketch it. Uh, because he wanted people to go looking for it. And he even put a reward out for people to find this thing. And uh, so that was in the papers. So now suddenly we've got 30 years later, a 30-foot turtle in the same basic area. And they live a long time. Yeah, and they live a long time. And a big one, who knows how long they live. So suddenly I've got corroboration of an old legend. And it's... You know, modern, you know, true journalism and true historical accounts, you want three verifications. And then the old classic Weekly World News and some of these, you know, websites, yeah. uh, They, if one person tells it to them, it's legit. It's got to be true. We split the difference. We want, We went for two. As long as we had two backups, it was something we could run with. So because it's tough to find, you know, three verifications of some of these things. Especially just you know, lone eyewitness accounts and stuff like that, but that one was just that was awesome, and I, I uh, love again
0: that uh, giant turtle sightings are, are rare but common yep. throughout the world, commonly reported throughout the world in in the Far East as well as other places in the U.S. I think that's uh, what's the other one? Is it the Beast of Busco Bay? There's another one in the U.S. That's quite famous. Large mm-hmm. another. Maybe I'm getting that incorrect uh, another very very large turtle. I think would uh, reptiles continue to grow throughout their entire lives They never stop growing as long as they live yep. and I think it's um, It's possible a creature in a super rich environment Like Florida if it could live long enough could become very large.
1: There's that giant alligator they just found it uh, up in uh, the Georgia border that everybody thought was a photoshop yes uh, and how it was, big uh, is that that thing was 700 pounds and 18 feet long and Wait, that's not I, even the biggest one they've ever caught
0: i didn't even realize they had alligators in georgia
1: yeah well that's yeah they go all the way up to uh north carolina just not as common as they are down here mm-hmm. it's not you go down miami alligator alley in the everglades you, you'll see hundreds of them
0: um, yeah okay
1: that drive and um that everybody thinks Alligator Alley is a 75. I never saw an alligator. That's the new Alligator Alley. The original is the old US-41 Tamiami Trail. Uh, and if you drive that, it's a little two-lane road down to Miami. goes through the Everglades. And I guarantee you, you'll see alligators any time of year. You may not see as <laughs> many in the winter, but they'll still be there.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I would love to see one. Maybe not up uh, close. Maybe from the window of the car or from one of those <laughs> lovely... Um, airboats i don't know what they call this this lovely little flat bottom yeah. turbine boats that you take oh. out there in the everglades oh yeah that boats would be are fun and that would be fantastic but none <laughs> not whilst walking through yeah, a secluded patch of forest with a water on either the side
1: they're pretty docile and they really don't mess with people and they tend to be afraid of you we have we were we were at a station uh and we were uh, just sitting and we saw these people watching these alligators. And suddenly a ranger comes up from behind the alligators and all the alligators just skedaddled because the ranger was trying to get this one kid. The reason they were all looking is this one kid had lost his drone in a tree. And the ranger just walks like right up to the alligators and they all just fled. I'm like, that is probably the most badass ranger I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And And then he came back and he was just like, Oh, dude, they're more scared of us than we are of them. They don't bother us. Yeah, but like, they
0: do yeah. attack people from time to time. I'm guessing they yeah. have to get to children are probably a lot more vulnerable.
1: Yes, yeah, anything smaller than them is vulnerable. But you okay, know, big, big guy, yeah. But then you start thinking, well, this thing's 18 foot long. You know, maybe yeah, he's. Yeah. But you then again, smaller. he's probably eating things that are a lot easier to eat than me. So.
0: You yeah. <laughs> I think most animals are practical hunters unless they're yeah. desperate and. Even animals that could easily take us down, like big cats and the like, bears That we're not their first choice. We're yeah. not a great meal, you know. It's um, um, we're not we're we're junk food. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. We're the yeah. If 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 we if we're stupid enough and fall into their mouth, they're gonna they're gonna take advantage.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think before before we go, there was just one other aspect. Like I wanted to um ask you, about, actually, and that is out of all of the things that you've investigated there in in florida whether they be cryptids or ghosts or ufos usos and the like what's the one thing uh that stands out to you as being the most realistic the thing that you believe the most the personally what what are you most invested in out of all these different types of subjects that you've covered
1: okay well this goes back to um this is gonna be on the paranormal side. Uh as much as I love my cryptids, because I love monsters so Chum. much. Uh and uh, and they're just so much fun. But the thing that I believe the most was uh we were in uh this there's this beautiful old hotel called the Bellevue Biltmore Hotel, and it was being closed and was going to be torn down. It was an old Victorian uh hotel building Clearwater Beach to draw tourists. And uh, had a train line right up to it. It was grand. You know, it was a beautiful place. And it had fallen into disrepair. It was going to cost millions to repair. And, um, and it had been abandoned for a little while. Well, they were closing it down. And they were going to do a big to-do for their last day. And they had all these people dressed in bellhop costumes from the, era, you know, from the early eras. And they had, everybody was dressed in, like, 30s regalia and all this. And it's famous for a ghost on the third floor of a, a bellhop. And, um, and I went there with a, a ghost hunting team. They were taking advantage of the fact that this was the last day and they wanted to make sure they got one last shot at the ghost upstairs. So we're down there on the first floor you know, talking to the, you know, the, the people, the historians and all that. I'm getting all the stories. And, um, uh, this is way before I started doing the books and stuff. This was still just for the haunted house. We were actually there to look to see if they were going to sell any of the stuff. Cause I was going to try to buy like a lamp or a, a chair and just use that in the haunt. So we'd have a, you know, from a haunted hotel in our haunted awesome. attraction. Yeah. And, um, but they were charging like ungodly money. So I was like, no, nope, no, nope, it's okay. But anyway, well, so I'll go with my friends who are the ghost hunters and they'll go upstairs and I'll, I'll, I'll hang around with them. And, you know, and we go up to the third floor and as we get on the third floor, there's a bellhop standing by the door of the haunted room. And I'm like, "Oh, they set this up. This is so awesome." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that's great, guys. That's great." And the guy walks towards us and I was like, uh, "Bravo, man. Bravo." And as he passes us, um yeah, you know, the girl, uh, you know, one of the investigators is like, "Yeah, that was that was perfect." And then the other girl standing next to us goes, "Who the heck were you guys talking to?" She didn't see him.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And I'm like, we had cameras, they had <laughs> equipment, they had all this stuff. We just saw the freaking. Spook. And I'm I was speaking of hairs on my arm. I still. And did it them.
0: look as real as just another person? It just looked like a
1: person. It looked like another guy in a suit. I didn't think twice. Oh. That, you know, anything. No spirit energy, no ghostly form, no smoke. It was. It was a guy and he just walked right past me. So, when people say, you know, I've never seen a ghost, I'm like, how do you know? I I don't think I don't did I see a ghost? I don't know. Could have been some playing tricks in my mind. You know, maybe that girl on the end just didn't see him. We talked about that for like hours. And we still talk about that occasionally to this day. That's what very, happened? Did we see it? it? Yeah, now they tore down most of that building. Uh, but they this new company came in at the last minute and saved it from the wrecking ball and restored that area. They were able to save almost a third of this giant hotel and it is now the Bellevue Inn and that hotel room just reopened last year. We haven't been a chance to get back to it yet, but that is our intent is to go back and see if the third uh-huh. floor see if we can say hi again. So that made me a believer. I don't I don't discount anything anymore. I still don't know what I saw. I'm not willing to say it's a ghost. Sure. I'm not willing to say it's a soul of a departed spirit i I like the old uh, stone tape theory that yes uh, I love that uh, Nigel Keel is God uh, but uh, I was
0: I was gonna mention yeah. the same thing to you mean the theory that the yeah. um, it's sort of like a, a rerun almost yeah. like a, a tape a moment in time that's been recorded
1: yeah. and, and replayed
0: under the right atmospheric conditions
1: and some people see it and some people don't uh-huh. and that's just it it's like why didn't she see it when we did and uh, they've been on other investigations where other people have seen things and she's never seen anything. So she's like, she's their skeptic, but uh-huh. she's not. She wants to see it. She's like their believer, but she's the one who never sees anything when the others are seeing stuff. So yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, it's going to be tough to ever prove these things. It's going to be tough to ever, I love what some people call it, what, preternatural? It's just stuff yeah, we don't that. understand yet. And, yeah. you know, like, you know magnetism. We didn't understand magnetism for a long time, so we just refused so to admit magnet. it existed. So, I mean, so uh, many
0: things. I always make the example of the um, the first person who poked their head beneath the waves and saw an octopus uh, camouflage itself yeah. against a rock. That would be a magical power
1: yeah. until
0: you know how it works.
1: it works. Yeah, it's well. I mean, what we didn't believe in. You know, giant squid stories were you know Jules Verne. Yeah, you know, I mean, and now yeah. they're common. We oh yeah, they're all over the place. We, we see them exactly. all the time. You know?
0: We've seen them and that's my, I mean I, I've made that point before many, many times that was the Kraken yeah. right? And there you're walking into some museum now in New Zealand or wherever they've got specimens and oh look, Kraken oh nice, yeah. I'm wondering in the future, will there be you know, some formaldehyde box with Bigfoot in it or, yeah. or a Nessie specimen or some kind of we'll just go, oh yeah, great because once it's accepted, it's natural and you no longer, uh, well, it's still impressive, but it's not, it's no longer a mystery. It's over.
1: Yep. I mean, there's that's still. That's the saddest thing about cryptozoology, isn't it?
0: That you're, you're, you're hoping to make these mysteries normalities.
1: I mean, there's still, you know, chiropractic medicine isn't really considered medicine by many doctors. They, they, no, it's, it's not. They, 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 yeah, and it's, and it's, you know, but some people swear by it. You know some people swear yeah. by acupuncture some people swear by you know it's it's one of those i think this is just this is another form of science that at some point somebody's gonna make a, a break and then a, a breakthrough and they're gonna and that'll be it and then suddenly it'll be okay maybe it's legit i think it'll still have that stigmatism till it's you know till the world is gone that uh, you know, and and all oh, ghosts and monsters and and UFOs and all that. We're we're gonna see aliens. We're gonna talk to aliens someday, and they're gonna come down, and we're gonna be like, well, okay, they're real, but not those ones we saw in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, that's just stories. You know, those Indians weren't talking to Bigfoot. Those those people didn't see Nessie. You know, it's you know, that's it's I just, think it's, it's always a gonna be a very
0: there. a very strange thing, and I think. I think it's a big ask for anybody, um, it's a big ask to ask of anybody who hasn't had an experience or who hasn't researched a lot about it to say these things could be real because any rational person has to, um, has to be very um, limited about the kind of credence they give to outlandish uh, um, things because if you're very suggestible, you'll be taken advantage of. So, I think it, it's normal to be skeptical and to say, well, I don't think so. But with many of the things that I've um, researched here on, on the animal front, and many of my friends and, and people like yourself have researched uh, on the paranormal front, there definitely does seem to be uh, activity. Uh, as to what it is, we don't know. We just know that it is. And I think that's, uh, that's something worth pursuing further, for sure
1: every convention every appearance every book signing um, every time we we're out in public somebody will come up to us and go I read your book but did you know about this my father Mm. saw this my uncle saw this I saw this so many of them I I saw a skunk ape and I was in the woods and I was driving my four-wheeler and you know, I almost hit him. I thought he was a guy in a camouflage suit, you know, and stuff like this. And you know, then I smelled it and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's, you know, so, and, and, it, and, it's, and there's people that are, they're not trying to publicize their story. They're not going to go on YouTube and, you know, or, you know, the internet. And I saw this skunk ape. These are people just telling me because they're like, Hey, this guy talks about this stuff. I finally got somebody I can tell this story to. Yeah. Every yeah. single one, something new. It was somebody's telling us something.
0: Well, I've got to tell you, Mark, I, I am, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm envious of your location. I think it's <laughs> even if you were just looking for the the natural and the, the discovered creatures of this world, Florida is a is a wonderful place in, in which to do it. Um anybody who's listening, I would definitely suggest that you check out Eerie Florida and Freaky Florida. Mark uh, Martin's two books, which I I have copies of now. Thank you. I'm really, really enjoying them. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to have you back on in the future when you've done some you know, more investigations. And I believe you have something new coming out soon. Is that right? You have yep. a new title? We
1: have, we have a third book. We're still not 100% allowed to say it yet. Uh, okay. It's actually going to publish uh, sure. this week uh, to the publisher of Final Draft. And okay. uh, once it's official, if you go to erieflorida.com, you'll see we'll make a big announcement. And uh, that's you can get to all our social media links from there as well. So, And uh, looking forward to you know being back soon. So
0: that'd be great and of course we will post all of those here as well Mark thank you for coming on and, and have a lovely weekend
1: alright you two have a wonderful rest of your week bye okay,